back for another exciting episode of The Spicy Life. I am your host, Spicy Mari, and today on The Spicy Life Talk, I have in the G spot with me to go through five reasons you should date outside of your race. Yes, you heard that correctly, why you should be open-minded and dating outside of your race. I have Bree Jenkins, who is a Los Angeles-based dating coach and licensed marriage and family therapist. Give it up, hey. give it up for Bree, everybody. The crowd <laughs> goes wild. She specializes in helping women and men become empowered and break negative dating patterns. Bringing over 12 years of combined experience as a professional private practice therapist, personal stylist, and life coach, she uses her skills to help clients clarify their ideal compatible characteristics in partners to identify key behaviors to embrace or improve, form a plan of action to increase chances of meeting their matches and discovering and implementing their most attractive personal style. This combination results in proven success. Bri has helped many clients into happy marriages, engagements, and many more in finding healthier, fuller dating lives. Bri, this is on point with everything hey. that the spicy <laughs> life is living, dying, breathing for. So I applaud you in this journey to helping people live healthier, fuller, more successful lives and relationships, which is why I brought you on today's episode. Let me give you a little background. I met Brie. I threw a, uh, a brunch for uh, relationship professionals within the industry. Brie came looking at her fabulous, amazing <laughs> self. Okay. She stands out like a freaking diamond in the crowd. Aww. And, uh, I asked her one of the questions on my spice breakers, which is a little, you know, thing of questions that I give out that you have to, you know, learn about someone mm -hmm. and it breaks the ice. So it was a spice breaker. One of the questions was, have you ever dated anybody outside of your race? And she turned to me and said, oh, I married someone outside of my race. I said, hallelujah, <laughs> let's help our women be more open-minded, men too, help yes. everybody be more open-minded. So Brie, we're going to dive into, you know, the, the, the pros, the cons, the benefits, you know, why we should be more open-minded, how you did it. But first you have to start with a spicy question, S-P-I-C-Y. Okay. First one is, and I have all my guests do this, when did you fall in love with yourself? Ooh. So I feel like I fell in love with myself over several iterations of time. Like I grew up, I had confidence, I was popular, I was involved in a lot of things, I loved myself. But I think everyone gets to that space where life kind of pushes against maybe your inherent self-esteem. Um, and I got into some relationships where obviously it wasn't fulfilling or like the person didn't appreciate me as much and that always diminishes your self-love. Mm -hmm. So I think I really, really fell in, in love with the like woman version of myself when I... Um, ended a six-year relationship that was Ooh. like off and on and I went through it I went to counseling I like I was like you know all this stuff that I know for myself I got to put it to myself yes and I learned you know like unconditional positive self-regard and like body acceptance and all these great things and I feel like um, I was around 27 28 which is kind of a perfect time people feel like that's a late time for yeah. you to fall in love with yourself but it's really it's awesome so I think that's that was the process it's like sometimes you, pain you is the catalyst yeah, yeah. Pain is the catalyst for transformation. But it sounds like, too, like many of us, you fell in love with someone else before you fell in love with yep. yourself. Classic. Ooh, <laughs> we have a tendency to do that. Okay. Yeah. You have to tell us also, too, P for passion. How did you discover your life's passion? My life's passion was probably a combination of my, like, inherent talents. I've always been, you know, very fashionable and stylist. And people have always come to me for advice. But they felt comfortable doing that. Um, you know, like, to me... Sometimes people have a talent, but the energy that they put off is like, I'm better than you. Mm. And I felt like a lot of people who maybe were shy about like, I need some help with my style or I'm having trouble dating or I'm having trouble with this in my life. 
Um, I was like, no, girl, like, come on, I'm going to help you. Like, don't worry. Like, everybody struggles. I'm always telling clients, all of this is just a skill. Yep. So for me, you know, helping people with dating to me was a skill. I had to learn how to flirt. <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Amazing. But you don't got to do nothing oh, for somebody yeah, to hit there, on you. They're like, hey, girl, hey, girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. you up, girl. Say red, say red. Like, you, could just, you can just be in your rollers and somebody will still holler at you. So then when I moved to California, I was like, why aren't these people just falling off the trees for me? Like, I'm here, I'm here. And so I literally had to teach myself the skills of flirting, of how, learning how to interact, how to give a green light, all those things. And then I learned it's really a skill. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? This is great information. Let me pass this on. And um, eventually I helped my sister find her husband. And then it kept happening. And so eventually I was like, you know what? I'm really passionate about this. I've always loved helping people. So it's just a natural You're like, fit. I got a gift to give. Yeah. yeah. And so, and yes, she was able to do that for herself, which is why she was able to get a, a hubby hub. But hey. <laughs> like she said, it was a process. It was not just men falling at her feet when she came to California. Mm-hmm. There was actually work involved. And so I want to help everybody and all my listeners. Not everybody can sign up for the services, right? right. And not everybody's in a place where they're necessarily ready to sign up for the services. Absolutely. So the reason why we bring this platform and all these experts on is so that when they know that the struggle is real, that we've been through it, that we've overcame yes. it, and that we have the tools to be able to do that. And we're giving them the tools as well. So... I've done a lot of research in um, in biracial or um, not because I am biracial. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of research when it comes to dating outside of your race, mm-hmm. multicultural relationships or interracial relationships and really wanted to know like what was at the heart or at the root of some of the things and reasons why we close people off. A yeah. huge one what I get when I have clients, which you may experience too, is I don't want to date outside of my race or... Um, I've even experienced like, I don't like dating my own race, but either way, it's something that they're closing themselves off to. Yes. So, oh, go ahead. ahead. No, I was saying, yes, it absolutely is. And like one of the things that you learn as a, as a date coach is like your best chances are when you open yourself up to more, you know? So like, and sometimes people have these things where they're closed off and it's because of this one thing that they have in their head that they want to avoid. And it's like, you realize like you may not even get a person who's doing that. If you just open up, like not everybody from a different culture will do these things that maybe you're afraid of. Yeah, exactly. So it's really about pushing past those like closed minded fears. But there's some people who are just like, I don't want that. And I the reason why I even thought, you know what, it's about time I did this episode was because I saw an article and I'm going to read this to you so you can tell mm-hmm. me um, this is my little spicy dish, right? Where right. I tell you guys what's going on, what's hot in news and gossip. Well, this was a blog that was written on askmen.com. And it said five things to prepare for when you're dating outside of your race. And so there's a lot more articles out there now about dating outside of your race because Mm -hmm. it's becoming a hot button. Mm -hmm. And so one is your friends and family may not support your relationship. Two is you may need to stand up for your relationship by educating those around you. Three is you may need to communicate with your partner about your differing backgrounds. Four, you you may receive negative comments. And five, you may be accused of hating your own race when you date outside of your race. Ooh. I'm going to go through these. True or false? Your friends and family may not support you. True. Ooh, okay. Did that happen to you? It didn't happen to me with my immediate family or his. I had some extended family that mm. I think initially had some reservations or said some kind of like ignorant comments. But I think later everyone embraced because it just, it literally was ignorance. Like they just didn't know. True or false? You may need to stand up for your relationship by educating those around you. True. I already had to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> what happened? Why did you have to educate someone? You had to, you had to let them know, like... Yeah, I had to let them know. My, I mean, my husband is uh, Persian. He was born in Iran, and he immigrated to Canada when he was about 12 or 13. Um, and people had concerns about, like, you know, Middle Eastern men. And mm. I was like, yeah, no, that's not true. How do you feel when people say things about black people? Mm. And then they were like, oh, I get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like that, right? <laughs> okay, True or false, you may need to communicate with your partner about your differing backgrounds. Absolutely, true. So constant educating one another. Uh, yeah, I think I think education is really important. Like, I had to learn things about cultural, like, um, uh, Persians have torof, which is like, uh, it's a back and forth of, like, who can be the most gracious. I guess mm. that's a good way to explain it. And so sometimes he will offer me things, and I'll be like, yes, thank you, baby. And he'd be like, oh, that was torof. And I was like, oh, you was expecting me to not, like, go back and forth with you? Like, I'm American, so like you offer me something, I'm like, thanks. Right, gratitude. So I had to kind of learn about that as well as he had to learn about some things about, you know, black culture. And to me, it's more about like being open and communicating with each other. So he expected you to give him a compliment or give him affirmation or give him a gift? What was he expecting Yeah, back and it's forth? kind of like, okay, if there's like a last piece of food, mm-hmm. Toro food, would mean that you and him have to go back and forth like you have the food no you have the food no sweetie you have the food no you okay i'll have the food instead he would be like babe do you want this i'm like thanks right (laughs) (laughs) well i was hungry yes i was hungry so (laughs) okay true or false you may receive negative comments uh true True. I haven't received as many negative comments, but I have had, um, I've worked with a lot of clients who've been in interracial relationships and they've received negative comments about, you know, their significant other. Okay. And true or false, you may be accused of hating your own race. True. I think that's particularly strong with black men who date outside of their race. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that label is thrown on them um, by people and I've seen them have to work through that. Um, sometimes I think there's, there's, there's sometimes some evidence there of like, maybe you're not accepting, you know, you're not gracious about your own race, especially if you, um, talk about, or like are really mean to the people, uh, the women in your race or the men in your race, and you degrade them a lot, that would make it seem as though you have an issue with them. Um, and rather I try to always reflect people on like, everyone has a preference and it's okay to date inside of your preference, as long as you're not casting down anyone else in that, in your own journey. What does degrading look like? Like, give me an example. Cause someone may be doing it and not even aware that they're degrading their own race. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, black girls have attitudes. So that's why I can't be dating them. Like that's you talking about a whole group of people. Yeah. Like millions of women. You know I've even I mean? heard I've even heard black women say black men don't make enough for them or black men cheat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they yeah. have their own preconceived notions about Absolutely. their own people. They're both black yeah. men as well. I even have I even have white clients who say like they're not dating white guys anymore. They're like, oh, <laughs> yes, girl. They'd be like, we I can't do it. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, you know, I always have to challenge those things with people because it's like, hey, you can't be slapping a label on a whole group of people. Right. And just closing everybody off. That's not cool. I do think that we're living in a new time right now, which is why um, you'll even see like Pew Research is doing a lot more research and studies on multicultural children and um, interracial relationships. Mm -hmm. I was shocked to find out that a large share of mixed children, Mm -hmm. um, 43% are not living with a married parent. Yeah. And so that means that some of these relationships are either um, I liked you, but it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Or what What do you think could be leading to that number or causing that number? Because 43% not living with their 
other parent is a lot. Yeah, that's high. I mean, I, I think the challenges of having two different cultures can present itself. Um, sometimes people can get along as two adults, but you know, parenting is hard. Even when you're in the same race, you know, the first two years after a baby is the hardest for any marriage, mm. any relationship. Even when people decide we're not going to be together, we're going to learn to co-parent. I always say like that first two years, you're going to have to work that out, yeah. you know? So like, don't make any assumptions. And I think if you already have that, plus the cultural pieces, it can be a little bit more prone to breaking. But then that makes me feel like, well, dang, what about the people who are saying, well, life is already hard in, you know, my culture or coming from, you know, my mm -hmm. heritage. So to make things easier, I'm going to avoid the racial component, dating an, an, another race. Because I don't want to have to explain why I use, you know, this hair product or why I eat this food mm -hmm. or, you know, why I look the way that I do. Right. So I, I've come across that with clients and, and I understand that feeling. But what I try to get them to understand is sometimes it's really about them wanting to avoid racial trauma that mm. a lot of people of color experience in our daily lives. But sometimes dating outside of your race, you're not going to experience racial trauma. You may re experience racial relief. Like you may experience a higher degree of acceptance Love about some it. things. Spicy tip, that racial relief even, right there. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even realize. You know, like my hair is is natural. I wear it in weaves, but I also wear it very natural. And my husband loves it. He's like, girl, keep that natural thing. That's I like it. It's sexy. It's, mm, you know, it's different. Yeah. And I felt like when I dated black men, I had a lot more pushback about my hair. So that was something that was shocking to me because my assumption would have been, well, the person who's going to be most acceptant of like my natural hair, my natural state is another black man. And it actually wasn't. And it's not to mean that black men don't accept. I had some guys who really liked it, but in terms of like long-term relationship, my, my husband actually is the most accepting. Okay. So the, which is amazing. Now you got to walk us through this though. If I am, no matter what ethnicity, if I'm white, if I'm Latina, if I am black, if I'm Asian, mm -hmm. Persian, whatever that ethnicity may be. And I'm, maybe considering dating outside of my race, yeah, but not quite there yet. What's the first step to being comfortable with that decision or being even open to that decision? Because you know, for clothes, we're not going to one, attract <laughs> yeah. any of that, of, that of, you know, of that other. But what, what was your process in deciding I'm going to give my Persian husband a chance? Yeah, I think I just got to a place where I, I had worked with enough clients and enough people to realize that a lot of times love doesn't come in the box that you think it's going to come in. Mm -hmm. You know, like we love to control everything. People come with these lists. They have like, he needs to be six foot four and he needs to have this job and this much money and this, 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 this. And you don't realize you're like closing off your world so much because you're looking for it in a specific, in a very specific package. So for me, it was more about like having figuring out what the value, what the qualities were of the person that I wanted. When I really looked at the qualities, then I realized, you know what? This could be anybody. Yep. Like, I want somebody who's kind. I want somebody who's intelligent. I want somebody who's considerate. I want somebody who likes to spoil me. You know, like, I was like, oh, wow, none of that stuff has anything to do with a person's race. Mm. And so for me, when I, when I talk to clients and they have that challenge of like, uh, well, I'm really resistant to, to going outside of my race. I try to focus them on like, instead of talking about what you don't want, let's really focus on what you want. Right. On who you want to draw to you outside of just the physical skin. What's the problem with that physical checklist? Because I get that often too. Yes. And I, so I, I like, but you know, I love tossing it to you and putting yeah. you in the hot seat. What is, explain to us, when I come to you with a laundry list of what he must do for a living or what she must do for a living, yes. what she must look like, what he must mm -hmm. look like, what is the problem with that? 
The problem with that is most people have just written up some dream fantasy that they really haven't deeply thought about. You know, I have women who say he needs to be 6'2". And I'm like, girl, you're 5'1". <laughs> you, don't need all you don't need all of that. So it's like, for me, I kind of say like, well, what is it about 6'1"? I feel protected. I feel safe. I feel like, you know, I want to be able to wear my heels. I'm like, well, how tall are you? 5'1"? Five, five, Okay, even if you wear a four-inch heel, you know, right. best you're 5'5". Five, five. Yes. So you can go 5'10", and you could be happy, you know? The other thing I explain to people is, like, the reality of the list. Like, sometimes people say, well, I want to feel comfortable, and I want to be able to wear my heels, which, honestly, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to wear my heels. <laughs> and it's like, you realize when you're with someone, when you're married to someone, you are mostly in your house, <laughs> barefoot. <laughs> You're not always going to be looking up at them, you know, out taking pictures. Right. You're mostly going to be walking around your house barefoot. So that you has know? more to do with what, they, with the, what people will think or the yes. outside perception. They're saying, yes, absolutely. I want this because I like this. But what I try to emphasize, too, is that half of the time we have determined what we like based on what our parents taught us, yes. what our culture has taught us, society. and what society has taught us. It has been this inception since a young age that this is what we need. And we don't even know why we need it because it's not really even what we need. It's what we want. Yes. And so I think that's great that you too have the same stance on, okay, let's dissect what you want versus what you yes, need. Yes, absolutely. That makes all the difference because then people realize, oh, you know what? I thought I needed someone who makes $100,000, but now I realize I just need someone who makes a comfortable living and can take care of themselves because that'll also make me feel secure. And that's a big change, you know? Being, I don't want to say being more realistic because it is realistic that you can find someone who makes a lot of money, but sometimes the value of what you think you want isn't there. It's not caught up in the money. It's more about the person's stability that maybe you're looking for. So it's really like that exploration of like what what are the actual values that you want from this relationship. So that part is great. We get a lot of people who okay, they're maybe you're a serial dater out there. Mm-hmm. What about our amateur daters? that aren't getting any play. Maybe men aren't approaching them. Maybe women aren't approaching them. So they don't even have an option to try to date outside the race because that ethnicity or no one is coming up to them. To me, that is a mental roadblock usually. Um, Anybody who says people don't ever approach me, um, I try to challenge of whether or not, like, you know, client observation is really important. So I can kind of see what's going on with them. Sometimes people are closed off. Like they've already convinced themselves that no one's looking at them, no one's interested. So they're literally walking around on their phone, hitting their phone, or they're tense, they're looking tense. They're not actually engaging people. You know, and sometimes when I have clients who are interested in um, interracial dating, I kind of give them the tip that like, a person may need a little bit more hard cues in their flirting style. Mm-hmm. So they may need more smiles, more like I'm going to touch contact, you on the shoulder, yeah. eye contact, more like hearty laughter than necessarily because the comfort level, they may need more of a green light. And so sometimes people having that little bit of education that they can have, like put their hands on, helps them to start to open their mind. And usually when we go through the process of like, okay, we're going to shift all this closed minded, nobody likes you, you have all these things that no one likes, and we get that like self-acceptance and confidence up, then they come back like, oh my gosh, I met somebody. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I thought. What was that? I love that thing. That's <laughs> the greatest feeling ever. Yes. You mentioned earlier too that um, you struggled in your 20s with self-esteem. Um, you mentioned body image, yeah. body image, similar to the way that we can, 
have this preconceived notion about you know our ethnicity we can have this preconceived notion about like our body image as well and that nobody wants us because of the way that we look absolutely how did you break through that can you give us a few little spicy tips on that yeah so like I what a couple things I did was like I cleaned out my social media I started following and looking at things that were uplifting to me as opposed to things that made me feel othered or things that made me feel like I wasn't the ideal thing um I I did for New Year's, I did a resolution. I would not say a single bad thing about myself or my body. Ooh, how hard is that for us, though? Girl. That has to be... <laughs> I know some of y'all are listening like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. Because we, we we try to tell yes. ourselves like, oop, I'm going to be positive. When someone gives me a compliment, mm-hmm. I'm going to practice just saying thank you. Yeah. But that is very challenging for it all is. of us. It is. And it made me reflect of like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm mean to myself. Like, I... I'm harder on myself than I am on any of my friends. If you ask me, I'm I'm such a I like love to empower people. I think mm-hmm. you should always speak positive into people. And so like if you were to ask me about any of my girlfriends, I'd be like, she is fire.com. You need to be with her. She <laughs> yep. is everything. She deserves the best. She is a rock star. <laughs> and then I realized like when it came to me, I was like, mm, 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 mm. and I was right. like, you know what? That's not fair. I should love myself the same way that I love my friends. So I stopped saying bad things about myself. And then I started being like, you know what? I'm about to be my own cheerleader. I'm about to, you know, love myself because from loving yourself, that's how you attract other people who value you as well. But some of us also do this criticism because either we really do have low self-esteem or we think, oh, I'm a perfectionist. So yeah. I'm not meeting my standard of excellence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some of us, it is like your your standards really are at the, you know, the bottom. Yeah, and yeah. we need to like uplift Up and it. make you appreciative and operate from a place of gratitude. But when it comes from... I have this high bar that I need to achieve and I'm not achieving it. Therefore now my self-esteem is, you know, lowering. How do you conquer that perfectionist theory? Yeah. I feel like uh, a lot of people have perfection inside of them. I absolutely have a perfectionist inside of me, but I'm like aware of her and I try to keep her in check. I'm Mm -hmm. like, girl, sit down. And the other thing (laughs) (laughs) I always tell myself, like, you know, we're all good enough. Like I try not to see myself as being better than anyone. And I try not to see myself as being worse. That's important, too, because sometimes people are like, I'm not better than anybody. Yeah, but you make yourself worse. Like, you think everyone else is worthy of love except for you. Right. So that's just as mean. So it's like when I practice, you know, like humility and confidence, then it made me more open to other people. Like, I was able to then be open to someone who wasn't perfect, you know, because no one is is perfect. Sometimes when we have those super high standards for ourselves, then we project that onto our dating as well. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. you're like, oh, they didn't make, meet the bar. Uh-huh. Really, they probably could have fit yeah. the bill. You had just been closed off to them. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through the, he saw me and then. Give me the meet, <laughs> give me the meet cute. The meet how cute. How you got your Persian, Persian lover. Yes. We actually have a really cute um, little story. So um, around the time that I was like self-loving, confidence boost or whatever, I had started being like, you know what? I have all this cute clothes, all these cute dresses. I want to wear them. So I got with some girlfriends and I was like, y'all, we're going to have a ladies single night. It's going to be fun night once a month. It was four women. And I was like, we're going to go to a hot new restaurant that we've always wanted to go to. And then after we'll do something where we can like engage or mix and mingle with like people that we're interested in. And so we did like a little restaurant and then we did this uh, lock and key event. called unlock the night so the women have locks and the men have keys and they have to like go around open the locks try to like mix this little icebreaker oh i like this i'm gonna steal this it was cute (laughs) and so 
Yeah, he actually unlocked. He, no, girl, he did not unlock my lock, actually. <laughs> Whose lock did he unlock? Uh-uh, uh-uh. I, I was like, on our little uh, wedding thing, I was like, he didn't unlock my lock, but he unlocked my heart, oh, you know? Oh, wait, so did he unlock someone else's lock? I don't even think he really was that into the lock part. I know he walked up to me. I was like, there were two guys I was talking to, and I was so bored. This guy was talking about moon rocks, and I was like, I don't care, you know? Rocks on the moon? Yes, girl. Oh, okay. So... Um, I was really bored and he walks up to me and he's like, oh, you know, like, I like your dress. And I said, thank you. I like your shirt. And he's like, oh, I guess we're like the fashionable people. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, we should have a cheers. And I and I lifted my hand and it was empty. And he was like, wait, you can't have a cheers with no drink. And I was like, I drank it. And he was like, and these guys didn't buy you one? And I said, no. And he's like, well, let's fix that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So yes, we went to Danny. the bar and then we talked like all night long. And he was so, you know, engaging and sweet and kind. And he was like, look, I really like you. Um, I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm not going to like wait any time or anything like that. And I want to take you out. So if you want to go out, I'd love to take you. And I'm like, sure. And I thought that was really bold. Yeah. You know, like, okay, he's saying he's going to call me together. But you know these guys in L.A. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> he ain't going to call. I don't believe and it. that phone rang at noon the next day. And he was like, Let, you know, I want to take you out. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And, you know, one of the things I noticed about the time that we met was like, again, perfectionist, me. When we met, I actually was unemployed. Mm, okay, wait. I need you guys to pause with me for a second and acknowledge the fact that she was unemployed. Because a lot of times that makes us feel so insecure. Yes, I see that a lot of times with clients, if they're yes. unemployed, they now feel like they're undesirable yes. and unwanted. Because they've derived too much of their value from what they do. And they've made that a part of their identity. Like, because I do this, then I have value. And for me, sometimes what I tell my clients, especially my like power women, my superwomen, I'm like, you may meet that guy when you take off that cape. And sometimes life Ooh, will take it off of you. When you take off that cape. So... That's hard for a lot of people that are used to wearing the cape. And yes. especially in the African-American culture, absolutely within our community, it is, I have to be strong. My mother was strong. I have to be strong. Yep. I have to overcompensate yep. for a lot of the L's that my family took, mm -hmm. a lot of the L's that we as a culture have taken. Yeah. But how do we take off that cape, though, when all we know is to fly? My whole thing is like, you know, you, you're wearing the cape and you're running around and you're doing all those things. But are you, do you have space for someone? You know, one of the things like in my, I want to say downtrodden because I was like, I had worked on my mental space. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't downtrodden and I knew that this was a temporary break and I've learned to look at like pain in life as like a catalyst for change. So yeah. in my head, I was like, okay, this is like a change, a change space. And also I'm such a driven person. I trust that my ambition is going to rise up like a phoenix <laughs> and I'm be back to work, you know? So I was like, okay. I, I'm I'm unemployed right now. I had was in a car accident, so I was like on disability, and my back was like healing from this car accident. But actually, that made me so open Wait, to my fiance. She was on disability. Me to my husband. Unemployed. Yes, girl. Your bank account was probably not <laughs> oh, zeros at the end. Okay. Yes. And you still came out though. I want to make note of this. You still came out looking your best, ready to stunt on some. Oh pools. yeah. Yes. You did not let no 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 your circumstance. <laughs> dictate mm -hmm. your social life and how you presented yourself to the world. Yeah, no, I didn't do that because I knew that whatever was going on was a temporary thing. It didn't it didn't negate my value. Everything that I had accomplished was accomplished. Everything that I will accomplish is in the future. So right now I'm just in an in-between in space and maybe this is an opening for me to meet someone. And that's exactly what happened. How was he responsive to 
by the way, I'm on disability and I'm unemployed. How did he take that? Um, he was more like, can you walk a lot? Because I don't want to plan a date where you have to walk a lot. He was like really gracious about it. He was really gracious about it. I mean, to me, even I've had clients go through things and I'm like, it's all about how you frame things. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of times power women assume that some of the same traits that they have is what the guy is looking for. And usually that's not the case. When I ask if you're dating men, right? Um, when I ask men, like, what are the things that you're looking for in a woman? One of the things that they don't name is like, she needs to have like a super high powered career Correct. and be on top of her game all the time. Correct. They mostly talk about like, I want her to be nice. I want her to enjoy this activity with me. I want her to be, you know, Grateful, like fun nurturing. and nurturing. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, Mm, that could be a cliff note, you know, <laughs> like for me, I was temporarily unemployed. Right. Not I haven't had a job in seven years and I'm always struggling and I'm a financially irresponsible person. It was like I had a car accident. I ended that job. I'm off on disability. Right. And when I'm done, I'll go back to being a therapist. So it was like, you know, to me, it's more about like how you frame it. And so a lot of times I tell clients, like, it may not be joblessness, but it could be something else that you're going through that may make you pivot just a little bit on, like, the hard rules that you have. Because mm -hmm. I had this thing, like, I'm like, you got to plan that date X amount of days in advance. And oh, like, my God. Speak on that. Because that's X amount of days in advance. And you got to do this and got to do that. And girl, he was like, do you want to go out tomorrow? <laughs> I was like, sure. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm Don't broke. Don't you know my time is valuable? <laughs> like, this whole trying to plan an event, like, we have this expectation that Prince Charming is going to be the most responsible, time-managed, huh. thoughtful person in the world. And sometimes men aren't even thinking nope. like that. Like, nope. it is like they literally live life as they, they mm -hmm. want to. And they're not as fantasy wise, like as we yeah. would like to think that they are. We think that once they know they're going to see us and they're going to plan out the rest of our lives for us. Nope. And that's not the case. No, not at all. So to me, it was like about me just calming down some of those like chop, 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 chop rules in my head and being like open to who the person was. And what I felt was this guy is very genuine. You know, he's thoughtful. One of the first dates he was like, hey, um, I'm not from here because he was from Toronto. And he's like, uh, do you know a good place where we can go, where, where you'd like to go? And that's kind of one of my things in my head that I was like, mm, I like guys who plan have a plan. For me. Mm -hmm. a plan. You know, and then I was kind of like, um, yeah, let me, I have a couple of options. And he's like, no, you know, actually, um, I'll figure it out. I'm the man. Girl. <laughs> I was like, yes. But I did learn before I met my husband, I did learn to have just some kind of like good responses to those type of questions because yeah. a lot of guys have have things like that. And I try to remind um, I try to remind people that sometimes people ask you those things because they want you to be comfortable, not because they don't know how to plan anything. Right. Not because they're inconsiderate or lazy. Sometimes they just want to make sure they don't get it wrong. And they make you happy. Yeah. And they make you happy. So it's about like really responding to things like graciously and not like not like so aggressively or so you know like judgmental ooh, judgmental mm -hmm. yeah that's the word i'm looking for yeah judgmental because we can be extremely judgmental yeah. <laughs> yeah and i remind women i remind women I, I remind men when i work with men i'm like look dating is hard on everybody you know everyone comes with their own level of self-consciousness and like you're putting yourself out there you got to meet somebody new so you got to cut people a little bit of slack because sometimes they're nervous sometimes they you know like 
on dating profiles, people expect for those pictures to look, you know, like exactly like them, exactly mm-hmm. like them. Or people expect for the pictures to be, he took a picture like in his car with a seatbelt on. And it's like, okay, but that just shows you that he's not vain. You know, so I'm like, there's always a positive if you want to reframe so it. So it's about perspective, how we look at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I think that's a great point because <laughs> we two are so critical. Yeah. Okay. I want you to dive more into um, your experience when it comes to what was a the biggest mistake or hurdle that you had to overcome in order to be open to your husband and his ethnicity? Because if you weren't used to dating Persians and a mm-hmm. Persian comes up to you and starts to court you or take you out, how do you start to be open and okay to that? Um, For me, it was like, I think at the point that I was, I was like, I am tired of the games, of the dogs, of all this stuff. I just wanted somebody who was nice, who would treat me nice, who I had a chemistry and connection with. And I had that with my husband. We completed each other's sentences like three times the first date, which was crazy. And um, for me, it was like just really opening my mind, like saying like, you know what? I don't know everything. I just need to experience this. I'll take it a day at a time. And I'll that's take it what, a day at a time. I, that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to take it a day at a time. I'm going to take it a day at a time. And I'm really not going to pressure this into like, it needs to exactly fit what my husband or what my ideal mate is going to look like. And because I came with that openness, I was able to just enjoy and learn and like, you know, relish the experience of like falling in love with someone and having them treat me so well and just having that relationship. So for me, you know, when clients are like really closed off, I'm like, let me ask you, would you rather have your piece of paper with a list of things that you want? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather actually have someone who cares for you, who's there for you, who you enjoying life with, who maybe doesn't fit a couple of things on that paper? What things didn't he fit on that paper? I think he wasn't as he wasn't as spiritual as I wanted him to be. Like in my in my thing, I was like, he needs to be Christian, like I'm Christian. Yep, I see that and a he lot wasn't. of times. And he wasn't. He wasn't Christian. What, no. What religion is he? He's nothing. He's agnostic. Oh. But you know what? That's a hard one for people. That it was hard, but what I learned from observing a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. a lot of relationships, um, was that looking for someone who is in church you know, like spiritually the leader already and all that stuff. I have seen that fall apart so many times with people. Mm -hmm. So many times. And what I have seen is people who start with someone who's not very spiritual and they grow in their relationship together and it works out later on. So for me, I kind of took a note from some couples that I admire. Like I have mentors, you know, like I took notes from that. I took notes from just working with lots of people And I was like, what is this part really about? And so for me, it was like, I don't want him to be closed off Mm -hmm. to spirituality. I want him to respect my spirituality and practice. And he was. He was all of those things. He was totally fine with it. And so we were able to move through. And I feel like religion is a huge one when it comes to closing self off to other cultures because we have it in our head. I can't be with him because he's this or I can't be with her because she's that. Spirituality is important to a lot of people. However, I've read a lot of studies that show that it's one more important to women than it is to men. Yes. Um, And that relationships are still successful even if they don't have the same spiritual or even in the same denomination or as long as they believe in something and believe in each other. Yeah. 
So it sounds like you kind of were optimistic about what the outcome might be. Have you gotten yeah. him more spiritual? Yeah, he actually is. Like, you know, like we pray at dinner time and he's gone to church with me before. And, you know, to me, when we were first dating, when he told me that, it was kind of like <laughs> mic drop because right. it was such a great date. But then I was like, you know what? I don't know who this man is going to be. Let me just keep going out on these dates and <laughs> see what happens. And for me, just taking it like a date at a time, I realized it wasn't as big of an obstacle to overcome as I thought. You know, I thought if someone isn't as spiritual like me, then when I try to pray or when I try to do something, they're going to be like, stop, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like that would have been a big problem for me. And he didn't do that. He was very respectful. He was like, sure, you know, like I'll go to church with you. I was like, what? You know, so to me, even, even that culture between us, I had preconceived notions about how someone would show up and then that's not what happened at all. Right. So you, yes. Yeah, so you had to kind of change like, oop, he fixed that, mm -hmm. my, you know, mm -hmm. frame right there. What about your kids though? So like, what are some of the concerns when it comes to what religion you're going to raise your kids with, um, your kids being biracial? How are you going to teach them about both of your cultures? Yeah. So, I mean, we've already talked about um, child rearing and he's totally fine with my kids. Our kids, I'm like, my kids, <laughs> like my, my religion, right? <laughs> no, he's totally fine with like our kids being raised as Christian. He doesn't have any problems with that. You know, like I want them to learn Farsi. I'm like, you got to speak Farsi. And like, I'm trying to learn some Farsi girl. I'm like, good. I'm not good at all. But like, I'm trying to learn some, you know, so I think it, I think it'll be fine. His family is very accepting of us. They're very loving. My family, you know, loves him and is very accepting. I think we'll be fine. But it is about that communication because, again, you can just have a judgment like I don't want a person outside of this because they're going to do this. But you don't know until you're in that relationship right. and you have that conversation. And even if you experience that with one, does that necessarily mean you're going to experience it exactly. with another? Not so. Mm -hmm. So, OK, tell me why. And I'm just curious, in your opinion, mm -hmm. there's a huge disparity between the percentage of black men yeah. and women who are dating outside of their race. Right. There's mm -hmm. a way higher amount of black men who are yeah. open than black women. Why do yes. you think that that is? So this is so fascinating because this was a part of like some of my thesis work in undergraduate. And it, it's it's fascinating. So it comes from uh, there was a period in time like around the 90s where there was a lot of music and culture being made about women having to basically be perfect. Mm. You know, it was like she has to have her own house, own car, own clothes, own credit. And then she got to be fine. <laughs> she got to be a dime piece from her head to her toe when she got to cook my food. You know, there was like <laughs> there was like catered to you. And there was like independent women. They're like, oh, all these gosh, songs. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, that were basically saying, like, you need to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and then there was also cultural uh, things happening on television and in movies that show lots of black men paired outside of their race. And so uh, that all kind of percolated in this um, concept of internalized self-worth. And what it showed was that um, based on stigmas and stereotypes, black men held more sexual and dating value than black women did based off Whoa. of the internalized concept of what people had kind of ingested. Mm -hmm. And so I think that caused quite a bit of harm in our culture and in our, in our relationship between black men and black women. And 
What's changed now, because even though we can still see some of that trend of like there are more black men dating outside of their race. Well, yeah, it's 25% black men versus 12% black women. Right. Open. But that 12% is a lot higher than it used to be because it used to be like <laughs> one. You know? We're making strides. We're making strides. <laughs> we're making strides. We're halfway there. So it's like that that change has come from some of the things that we've seen, like melanin popping and Chandelin, yeah, Scandal, and, and How to Get Away with Murder, and there were there's more movies and there's more media of showing the beauty of Black women and and valuing us and showing that like you know we're women just like everyone else we have the same hopes dreams and desires we're just as valuable we're just as beautiful and defying a lot of those negative stereotypes so now people are like people are changing I remember when I um, before my husband, I dated this other guy who was another Canadian, and he was telling me, uh, note to all the black women, he was telling me <laughs> that in Vancouver, black women was like an exotic bird that yeah, everyone wanted. I see that in Europe, too. I, see it. I saw a lot yeah. of Paris. I saw a lot of interracial couples, and yeah, it was black women. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like in Italy and some other places. Yeah. And so... Um, when I learned that, I was like, you know what? This is literally all preconceived notion. Like girls we're fire like all women are fire you know what I mean so it was like I just um I just realized that and I was like you know what I'm gonna go out there I'm not listening to no more of this and again more of that media toxic media mm -hmm. telling us like black women are least likely to be married we're 40 percent likely to die alone of a heart attack <laughs> oh and God. obese and like it was like goodness gracious so like a lot of times with clients I process all of that internalized uh trauma really internalized like poor confidence, poor internalized worth mm -hmm. of the black woman and challenging all of that. You know, I personally think it was a bunch of um, propaganda and I don't believe in it. I'm like, you know what? That may be for whatever statistics. Statistics are important, but statistics don't have to define your life. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm huge on stats because I like to know what I'm up yep. against. Yep, but yep, do yep. I believe that we can not be the stereotype, not mm -hmm. be the stat? Absolutely. I'm like, okay, let's figure out how we're going to break that. Let's figure out how we're going to not be a part of that statistic. Absolutely. And so that's why, too, I like to inform people because just because the number says this doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean that you can't behave or change your mind frame absolutely. in a way that's going to manifest something differently. Totally. And then that's how we change the number. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing that you asked me earlier when I was like for a year, I didn't say anything bad about myself. And then I started like saying good things about myself. One of the other things I repeated to myself constantly was I don't care about any of the challenges. I'm going to be married to a person that I love. Mm. I would say that all the time. I would say like it doesn't matter any of the statistics. I am going to be one of the people who is going to be getting married. And I started feeling it in my soul. I was like, it don't, I don't care what stat you throwing at me. If it says it's 2%, I'm about to be up in that 2%. <laughs> and so when my clients tell me, I, I, my, this is my dating history. I'm like, the history is one thing. The history is not the future. But the history is the history. Yep, the history is the history. And I'm like, guess what? All the time that you were dating before you started working with me, that's all the time that we're not going to repeat. <laughs> you know, like now you're going to be in that other statistic because now you're putting work there. So it's like it doesn't matter any of those negative things. You really have to let that go and you have to challenge yourself to be positive and to be open. And when you do that, that's when you're going to find all this wonderful people that you never considered. And a lot of them may not be your race. But it sounds like you did a lot of like self-talk speaking into your yeah. self to somewhat change your perspective because if you're waking up every day saying I'm not open to this 
you know, I'm only going to try to manifest this specific list versus right. I just want true love. Yeah. And I'm here for all the challenges because mm-hmm. either way, there can be a list on, and you get exactly that and still have hella miserable. challenges. You're going to yeah. have challenges regardless. <laughs> yeah, t- totally. So as long as you're dating at your core values, mm-hmm. you're more likely to attract that person. Absolutely. Now, how did you overcome the fear of acceptance compatibility and preconceived notions when it comes to the acceptance component, like accepting, okay, this is the life that I'm about to Mm -hmm. live. This is who I'm signing up for. I think we're getting pretty hot and heavy. Yeah. Um, The fear of acceptance. That's a great one. It sounds very similar to something I work on with everybody who comes through my door, whether it's a, a therapy client or a coaching client. And that's the fear of rejection because all of us feel like, um, Maybe someone won't love me once they see who I really am. Mm -hmm. And to me, what I had to do was I first had to accept myself. Once you take validation out of other people's hands, it's a lot easier. It doesn't belong in other people's hands. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't belong. It's not up to someone else to validate you or to give you confidence. That's why it's called self-confidence and not other confidence, you know? <laughs> so it's like you I had to take that out and I had to I had to recognize that like even if this relationship doesn't work out, it doesn't have anything to do with my value as a person. It doesn't it won't break me, you know, it will be sad, it will be hard, but it will not break me because I was existed before and I'll always exist after. So once I really got that concept, it made dating a lot easier. Because I wasn't looking for people to like approve of me. I wasn't looking for everyone to approve of my marriage, approve of my man. Because sometimes people get caught in that. They're like, the I don't think my friends will like him. Right. I'm like, what? Are your, friends, are your friends going to be dating this person and marrying them and having a life with them? Because you shouldn't be dating according to what your friends think. Right. And sometimes, too, it's the I want acceptance from, from others because I didn't get it when I was younger. I've had clients yeah. come to me saying I want this stature or this type of guy mm-hmm. or this type of girl because it proves to me that I'm yeah. worthy of that or that I'm good enough for that. Yeah. And it's not even you really even want that. You're just trying yeah. to make, like prove to yourself that you can get it. Yeah. And that's sad because you're playing a game with yourself. And what you're going to find is, is if you try to find validation in another person, it is not sustaining. You know, it's like you're just it's empty calories, it's snacks, it's not a meal. You're going to it's going to run out because another person cannot spend their entire life lifting you up, making sure that you're okay with yourself, making sure that you feel good about yourself, making sure that you, you know, go after your goals and all that stuff. So it's like I always try to focus people on like, okay, let's get you right. And then you will partner with someone else who kind of reflects how you already feel about yourself. Now. Yes, I agree with everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. It also makes me think, how do we get the others to be more open to minorities or dating outside of their race? Because Mm -hmm. right now, the white population, 7% men are dating outside of their race, 7% women are dating outside Mm -hmm. of their race. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot that are even open to us. Our numbers are higher than they are. Yeah. (laughs) But they're rejecting us. Yeah, so this reminds me of something that I, look in my little stats that I read. So it said that 97% of white men said that they find black women attractive. Mm. But only 63% of them said that they would potentially date a black girl. Why? So I'm sure it has something to do with stereotypes. Yeah. Right? This is what I tell my clients. Number one. 
the little 7% that don't want us, I ain't worried about them. <laughs> like, if it's not going to work with me, I'm not going to work with it. Bye. So 93%, you know, are saying, absolutely, if I'm them attractive, I would date. So the 63%, first off, men rarely know what they want anyway. And a lot of times men say they won't do something and then they wind up with, they, they will. You know, they say, like, I'm never going to get married. Jay-Z was talking all that stuff. Right. Straight up, yeah, ring on his finger. Married. Right. Married, 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 right? <laughs> so... I always say like that 93%, that whole population is a pool of men who you could be in a relationship with. Because if a man is willing to sleep with you, then he's very close to you. He could, if, if you, you know, like he could start dating you, you could start liking each other and it could turn into a relationship. But how do you tell if you're just the experiment? You know how we got this, yeah. this idea that, well, I don't want to just be something that you're just like, that you find exotic, that you're experimenting with. Yeah. How, do, how do you know or let your guard down to be open to that because sometimes they are just curious what it's like. Yeah. I think that that's about like in the dating process, how you show up to it. If you, so you have to date with the intention, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to be like played around with, then don't play the game. Don't, don't play around. So let's say that you, let's say that someone is interested in you and you notice they only text you at two in the morning talking about come over. You already know that, that this person part. is not probably not trying to really get to know you because every time they see you is hit it, quit it, bye until the next 2 a.m. text. So then, you know, that's not dating with intention. And that's fine. I always tell people, be empowered. If, if look, if you know what you want, if what you want out of it is sexual gratification, yay. Wonderful. But if what you want out of it is somebody to get to know your mind, get to know who you are as a person, then you have to be doing things that will let them know who you are and as a person. Right. You can have both, but a lot of times you can't just have just that sexual and component. I do. I agree with you. I do think there's different phases based mm -hmm. on what the goal is. If you tell me what your goal is, I'll tell you how you can operate. Yeah. So if you're telling me you just want an orgasm, by all means, like you said, mm -hmm. get it popping. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying you want to be a wife, if you yeah. want a husband, your behavior, the way that yep. you date is going to be a whole yes. different strategic yes. action plan. Yes. <laughs> and what I tell clients is like this. I'm like, okay, if you say that you want a full-time job with benefits, why are you going to keep taking 1099s? Right. Why are you going to keep taking short-term gigs? Stop even putting your resumes there. Because they think, oh, someone's going to realize how amazing I am and hire me full-time. They're gambling. They're, they're <clears throat> gambling as if, like, these part-time gigs yes. are going to turn into something else because they know that one person, that one friend <laughs> that had a one-night stand, they yes. got wiped up. And I always tell people, you know what? The, the statistics are there for reasons statistically that, that it doesn't look good for you. However, there's always exceptions to the rule, but I try to get clients to play inside of the rules because that's where I'm, I can kind of give you the most reassurance that is most likely to happen for you. So it's like, yeah, you could get a, you could do a gig and they love you so much that they say, we can't live without you. And we're going to hire you on full time and give you the salary that you deserve and all of the benefits. But sometimes that is literally the fool's chances gold. chances of that happening, though. <laughs> yeah, it could be fool's I'm gold. I'm not going to bank on that for you. Yeah, because if you, like I said, would you keep taking jobs that pay you under your wage and don't give you what you want just on the hopes that you're going to work your neck off and they're going to recognize your worth? That doesn't seem like a good plan. And a lot of times that's what we wind up doing, busting mm -hmm. our asses in the relationship, yep. hoping that the person will give us the title or come to the realization yeah. that we're more than just a hookup or more yeah, than yeah, like yeah. we're coming from this unrealistic expectation 
because we started it with unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we get into what we call a situationship. Yes. And <laughs> wind up staying way too long, potentially yeah. missing out on our blessing. Yes. Yes. And then you get to the point of resentment. And then when you get out of that relationship, you got to process all of that resentment. Yep. So I'm like, let's date with intention so that you are present and that you enjoy this person and that there's opportunity, but that if it doesn't work out, you don't have a bunch of resentments that you have to yep. work through. And the only way that you can do that is by kind of staying open, not overgiving, not, you know, dating with all these like booby traps in your mind, you know, with your guard all up. And, um, yeah, trying to do it as gracefully as possible. I love that. The less resentment, the better. <laughs> yes, girl. You don't want that clogging up all your arteries. <laughs> okay, you're going to tell me one more true or false. Okay. So this is another article that I found on interracial relationships, mm -hmm. and it's the five benefits. So I told you guys that we were going to tell you the benefits, right? Yes. So you're going to tell me true or false. Interracial relationships make people more patient, open-minded, and sensitive. True. So um, I take it you and your husband had to be sensitive to one another. Yeah, we had to be sensitive to one another. I learned a lot of things about, you know, stereotypes about Middle Eastern people and like uh, things to be sensitive about as well as he did about um, black people. And it was it was all good. It actually feels really good when somebody um, takes a moment to really accept you and be considerate of things. I love that. OK, you would be more eager to learn about different aspects of living and your lifestyle would become more varied. So it's a, your life becomes a little bit more spicy because yeah. like, you're learning about these other cultures. Yes. True, <laughs> true, 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 true. Have you, and you, said, you already said you're trying to learn another language. Yes. <laughs> uh, people who marry outside their own race become more independent and stronger. Um, Have you guys had to exercise strength um, by developing your own values and not being afraid to speak on them? I think it could be true for a lot of, for a lot of people. Absolutely. Because I think... Uh, to to date interracially and really be in that in relationship to a degree you have to not really care about what people think mm -hmm. or what people expect of you and so in that sense you are a little bit more independent because you're like look I'm going after my joy I can't right y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah Interracial marriages affect our children too. Apart from being uh, brought up in a diverse culture, children born into interracial couples are more prone to adapt to different situations. Like they're more flexible, less rigid. Mm. Um, scientific reports show that greater genetic diversity makes mm. children taller, sharper, and smarter. Mm. Um, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. I was like, oh, okay, so we can breed a hybrid of amazing, <laughs> of amazing people. Got you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm... That one I'm a little more like eh, unsure, maybe a little false. I think the scientific part, it sounds a little like uh, eugenetics and I like don't really believe in that. I think I think like there's I think there's strength just in people pairing together, whatever cultures they are, whatever, cultures. you know. I don't necessarily believe in like sometimes people get into like designer people like, oh, your mixed baby is going to be so beautiful. And I'm like, ah, stop it. That's all of that. not always true, though. Yeah, too. I want you guys to understand. True too, right. But like that notion, I think, is actually toxic. And I, I don't think that's why people should get into uh, interracial relationships. But I do think the part about maybe being exposed to two cultures does make you flexible because you just like learning more than one language makes you your brain, your literal brain chemistry more flexible. And it's a barrier to like Alzheimer's and some other things, I think that could be a benefit. So kind of partial true, partial false. That part. And then interracial relationships make you enjoy life more. Aw, 
I'll say true. <laughs> you always have more activities to do. It gets a little bit more spontaneous. You know what? That's true. That's true. I have extra holidays now. Right, extra holidays. Yeah, extra holidays. <laughs> you know, new food, new dessert, new like cultural activities to do, which are really, you know, when when I do them, it's 100% new for me. So I'm like enjoying it like a child. And I think that's really beautiful for a person experience. Just like when I bring him to like his first Mardi Gras, his eyes are like so big. Oh. So, so it's like, yeah, to a degree, that's a really nice part yeah, of it. Yeah, it's like you're always teaching someone something new. It's yeah. exciting. You're always learning something new. Okay, so we have to wrap up the show. You have given us a wealth of knowledge, but I always close out with the naked truth. Okay. And so you have to tell me if you could have any superpower in the world, what would that superpower be? Ooh, girl, that's a good one. Any superpower in the world, what would it be? Hmm. I think I would be able to, I, I think it would be magic. Magic? You want to be able to perform some magic? Yeah, I think I would need to have like magical powers, like to be able to manifest gold or like, <laughs> like Aladdin transport genie myself, you know, because I feel like uh, if you if you have some type of magical element, then you probably have kind of endless power in a way. Oh, you see, you're trying to cheat and defy the rules. Oh. We were talking superheroes, but <laughs> yeah, there is but superheroes that have magic, though. You're actually right. There are yeah. some Marvel and DC comics that have super, um, super magic powers. So this is a magic power. Okay, we will allow that. See? <laughs> Number two, mm -hmm. if you could body swap with anybody for just the day you're living their life, who would it be? Oh, if I could body swap with somebody? Just for the day you get to live their life. Just for the day. Uh, Queen Oprah. Ooh. Okay. Oprah it is. I need her secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know everything. Give it all yeah, to me. Yeah, she's just such a powerhouse, what she's done with her life, you know, the amount of people that she's helped. I just want to know what it's like to, to sit in that type of, of power and wisdom and connection and be able to help people that much. See, she's wow. asking for another superpower over here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, and number three, if you could travel back into any period in your life and you get to relive it, just for the day, what time period in your life would you travel back to? Hmm. Hmm. You know what? It would be it would be this time after I was in grad school. Um, I had this little period of time where I was like between jobs, between grad school, and I went back to New Orleans to live with my sister, and we shared a little studio, and I have a brother that passed away, and he was still alive, so we had a lot of really good times, and we were just young and carefree. Yes, that's the best time. Young yeah. and carefree, little responsibility. Yes, exactly. Life was hard then, but it really wasn't in comparison no, to the challenges now. it was such now. a fun summer, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, you have to let everybody know where they can find you. Yes. Um, how they can reach out to you. Give us all your social media, all your handles, everything. Fabulous. So I am at The Gathered Life um, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm at Gathered Life. Um, you can find me on www.thegatheredlife.com. You can also find me at www.therapywithbree.com. And I love uh, following, connecting, reaching out to people. So go on my Instagram. You guys will find me. <laughs> and I want to tell you guys, she is phenomenal. She is so lovely. Her spirit is so just effervescent. It's amazing. Um, please, if you get a chance, look her up. 
Uh, also, you guys can always play with my Twitter and stroke my Instagram at SpicyMati. You can go to mm-hmm. thespicylife.com, download this episode, make sure that you click and subscribe, share it with a friend who maybe, you know, close-minded to interracial relationships and dating. Like, either Help way, them. they'll get something from it, okay? Because <laughs> like, it's working for Brie over here. And me too, I'm with the, I'm with the immigrant as well. There we and go. And so, um, my, yes, my Jamaican poppy is amazing. So I too had to go deal with some of the mm-hmm. hurdles and stuff that you do as well. And he's still teaching me to this day about his culture and i'm still constantly teaching him about mine so there you guys have it you have just been spiced the spicy life